SqueegeeCast, Episode 7, Greg Key and Serigraphia. SqueegeeCast, the podcast for screen printers and garment decorators. The purpose of SqueegeeCast is to help you better your products, processes, and knowledge in the garment decorating field. Please visit SqueegeeCast.com and share your input and opinions. You can find us on a variety of social networks, so please support SqueegeeCast by liking, sharing, and following. Hello, everybody. Uh, Welcome to SqueegeeCast. Philip Hicks here. Today my guest is Greg Keith. He is the owner of Serigraphia in Fort Walton Beach, Florida. Hello, Greg. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, Phil. How about you? Um, I'm doing pretty well. It's actually been raining a lot here in Sacramento, which is very different. Very much a good thing because of the California drought. Well, that's fantastic to hear you guys are getting some rain. <laughs> yeah, they need it. We need it. Can you describe for us um, what what Serigraphia is? Serigraphia is a screen printing company that started in 1979, and uh, we've done everything from contract printing to just regional printing. Currently, um, we're just doing regional printing, which means we're just printing for uh, local businesses in the uh, panhandle of Florida. Okay. So, uh, you said you started in 1979. That's a pretty good time, a long time ago. Things are much different today, aren't they? Oh, yeah. A lot different. <laughs> well, how did you get started? I mean, most of the time there's like some little backstory. Well, the backstory was i just gotten out of uh, college and the, we were in a recession in 1979 and the job offers were and in between, and I'd just gotten my master's in business, so I had been bitten by the entrepreneurial bug, and a friend of mine said, let's start a screen printing business, and I said, what's that? And he told me, and I said, well, I'll do it with you as long as there's no other businesses in town doing it, because I didn't feel Fort Walton was big enough to have more than one screen printing company. And uh, he said, oh, no, there aren't any other ones. And I said, okay, then let's do it, and that's how I got started. And in the very beginning, you didn't have much competition. Since I'm from Fort Walton Beach as well, or Pensacola area and all that, and Panhandle, I know things have changed. There's uh, many, many more screen printers there now. Well, in fact, in fact, Phil, the irony was there was another screen printing company in Fort Walton at the time. And if I had known that, I wouldn't have gone into this business. Huh. <laughs> I, I relied on my, my uh, then my partner to be's uh, knowledge of the... Uh, what was out there and it wasn't very good (laughs) (laughs) I'll let the listeners in Um, you know I know a lot about Serigraphia because I I work there and so I'm very glad that you did open your business Um, you had a a huge amount to do with my career and still have an effect I hold you in a high admiration Greg well thank you one of the things I want uh, to talk about is the equipment you have because I know that you take care of your equipment. Screen printing equipment, when you get into the automatic level, is very expensive. So tell, tell us about your equipment you have in your shop there. Well, I, I currently have a, uh, an MHM, which is about 10 years old. Um, 
it's in great working condition. Uh, was it's a lot of things have been reconditioned on it. All the tubing has been replaced, both interior and exterior on it. That was one of the first things to go. Um, a few other minor things have been replaced, but basically it still works great, fantastic, just like the day we got it. Um, another machine I have that's kind of unique is a Cervatia Iron Maiden, which there are only very few built, but it's a, it's about 11 years old, and it works better than the day we got it because we've made a lot of modifications to it, and once again, we've kept everything repaired on it and works great. And then I have two Cervatia dryers. One of them is about 20 years old. It still is one of our best dryers, actually. And the uh, other one is 11 years old, and it works great, too. Yeah. And then, of course, all the pre-press equipment, um, uh, exposure units and whatnot. Um, they, we just recently completely overhauled our Richmond light, which works great. Um, put an LED in it, so it's much faster exposing. Oh, wow. And the, and the vacuum easel works great that we've been using, a uh, wall mount unit. And uh, so if you take care of your equipment, yes, it'll last a long time. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's uh, certainly well. And actually, that Iron Maiden almost deserves a conversation itself. I helped Greg, and uh, we, we both worked on it, and they Serography did a lot of additions to it. But the abilities of that machine, um, well, what's your large platen? Isn't it like 24 by 36? Yeah, the largest platen is. Yeah. Okay. Listeners, it will print platens that size um, probably at a rate of 600 an hour. It's, you're running 12 colors on that thing, right? Yeah, 12 color, 22 stations. Right, and those open stations allow for flashing without taking up a print station, so we can print 12 colors and multiple flashes at the same time. Right, we can print up to three flashes without losing any print stations. And and that allows us to have cooldowns after every uh, flash station. Yeah, it's a, it was well thought out, well put together, and uh, it's a screen printing monster. The Iron Maiden is a good name for that thing. Yes, that's true. It's a monster. I know you're a static frame user, and uh, you stretch your own screens. Uh, a lot of static frame users out there, as, as I've traveled around and been in a lot of different shops, Static frames are on a big comeback, but one unique thing is you stretch your own and you use a Harlacker, and that thing's that thing's got some miles on it too, I believe. Well, yeah, I think the Harlacker was probably 20 years old when we got it. We bought it used, and we're still we're still using it. Works like a charm. Yeah, it's a it's a good stretcher. But I, you might want to explain to your audience what a Harlacker is. What's unique about it as a stretcher? Because it's 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 different than most other stretchers. Well, um, maybe maybe you should because I'm not sure exactly your point. I know that as it stretches, it allows the uh, the the side that's not being stretched to expand uh, at a rate so that yeah. it doesn't you know that that one clamping force in the opposite direction doesn't hold the other direction from moving properly. Well, I think the easiest way to explain it is in, in a, a Newman roller frame, there's only two threads that are at 90 degrees. On the warp side and the web side of the frame, there's the, the two center threads stay at 90. Because, because of the way that it works, all the other threads are warped. And as you move further out from the center, the threads become warped more and more. And therefore, you can't control your moray effect as you move out from center. On a hard lacquer, all the threads remain at 90 degrees because all the screen-holding devices are on bearings that slide. 
both in the warp and the west direction. So therefore, all your threads stay at a perfect 90 degrees. So therefore, you can control your moray against your halftone dots all the way across the screen from edge to edge of the frame perfectly. Wow, that's uh, perfect. That's, that's my best description. That, is, that was a, uh, well said, well said. Well, thank you. What is the uh, oldest copyright that you actively still print? Probably the oldest design I print that's active is from a company which was one of my first customers called the Zoo Gallery. And I would say the design was copyrighted in 1981. And it's uh, stand out from the herd. Yeah. If anyone wants to go to their website, zoogallery.com, you can probably see this design online. Okay. Okay. I can even add a, a little link to that. Those are good folks over there. Well, that's, that's a long time for printing the same friggin' design. Um, that leads me into the next thing I want to talk about is some of the artwork. Uh, the reason that design is still printed is that it's good artwork, right? Well, yeah, and obviously the demand for the design is still there from the audience that, that is buying it. But I, I will add that when we first printed that design, we only had a four-color manual press, and we printed that design with horizontal blends and vertical blends, which you can do on a manual press. But as we progressed in the automatic equipment, we re-engineered the artwork and re reworked it so that it looks the same as it did um, in, in terms of the overall aesthetics of it, but it's actually it's actually prints a lot cleaner and a lot better because it's done on automatic equipment and and every every shirt is identical because we're no longer pulling the horizontal and vertical blends on it. So in, in that respect, it's it's went from a four color design that was only printed on light to now it's probably more like a ten color design, double flash printed on everything. Right. Meaning everything meaning dark sunlight. Correct. And all colors in between. Yeah. Um, since you've been in business since 1979, and I would uh, say a lot of the listeners uh, to this podcast are people that are haven't been around nearly that long. So is there any advice to give to other printers out there how to maintain longevity in this uh, screen printing world? Well, I mean, I think you have to have a passion for it, but I, I would say one piece of advice that I've learned is that... Um, Screen printers as a whole are kind of do-it-yourselfers. They want to fix things and do things themselves, as, as at least that's been my experience. And I would say as you invest in technology, you want to get rid of it as soon as you see that it's going out of date. Don't hang on to it because it'll become worthless if you hang on to it too long. So as, as, as you see the market progress, you want to go ahead and sell it and buy something new. That would be my, my advice for most people especially in the realm of the computers and all the digital revolution that we're going through. Okay, that sounds that's good advice. Um, let's see if we can dig up some weird juicy stuff or something. Have you ever had a customer that, like, after you did all the hard work and made the design and everything, did you ever have someone you want to say, like, you know what, I'm not going to let you have these shirts, you don't deserve them, or any, any strange stories like that? Well, I, I, I won't say I've never thought that <laughs> after doing all the artwork, but I've never done it because the businessman in me or the capitalist in me says, well, it would be better to at least get paid for the shirts I've done, and then I just won't do any other more work for that individual. Uh, I'm in a lot of Facebook groups on screen printing and garment printing, and that's a typical conversation of how horrible their customers are and the strange questions they ask. It's, it's a good way to vent 
you know, because uh, you're amongst other screen printers, so that's the format you can get cranky about. I, I, I think that screen printing is much more difficult and complex, and the variables are almost endless than most people understand. And I, I don't think they appreciate all that we go through to make the prints perfect as we try to do it. Um, that's, I, I feel very unappreciated by my customers. Right. Especially when they say, hey, print this on some 100% polyester shirts that are red or black that we all know sublimate terribly. Oh, now do these sweatshirts over here that are 50-50 and then print my 100% cotton shirts and do it all with the same screens and the, for the same price that you print my 100% cotton shirts for. And if any of uh, your listeners know, you can't do that. Right, right. You're either going to do it and sacrifice profits. Yeah, you're going to have to do, you have to stop and change inks, go to 100% polyester ink, which cure differently, which need lower mesh counts, and I can just go on and on and on. And that, I, I think today, um, that's one thing that's changed is that the variables have gone up exponentially for what we're asked to do by our customers. Actually, this reminds me of something that you once said, uh, I think it was with the meeting of a client or something. I'm not sure of the backstory, but it was, you know, a customer was complaining about the price of, um, of what the work would be. And I'm not sure whether you were just bringing us as an example or you actually told them, it's like, look, you're totally willing to pay $2 for a glass of iced tea at a restaurant and without even thinking about it. And what work does it go into making a glass of iced tea? And I really remember and I love that. Well, that's true. That's true. They, 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 they underrate the complexity. In fact, most of the customers or people or uh, interviewees, when they see what is involved in just to make a T-shirt, from stretching the screen to prepping it to coating it to exposing it to doing the artwork and the separations and, and to setting up a press and printing it, they go, wow, this is really complicated. And it is. And, and let's face it, I think I can teach a... Uh, person of very low intelligence to make a pretty decent glass of ice tea. Right. But I can't I can't get I can't teach him the screen time. <laughs> well you've done that as well. You've taught a lot of people. In fact, um, because you started so early, you've had a long history, you've had a lot of uh, employees over the years and there's quite a few of them out there doing well in this business. So um, kudos to you for having launched uh, some careers for some people, mine as well. Um, and uh, they're out there doing well, and without the stepping stones and working with you, you were you were a good teacher, mentor. Well, I I, I know most of them, and <laughs> still in contact with them when I see them at the screen print show, yeah. and I'm happy for all of them. Among the screen printing community, several years ago, you you kind of got famous for uh, these Salvador Dolly shirts, and they were you know maybe even famous amongst you know, t-shirt buyers or the Dolly Museum and all that. But the shirt itself, amongst screen printers, and I remember one of the last times I was at your shop and I picked up one of those shirts, I looked at it. And even being involved in it, I look at that thing and I'm like, how is this even done? They are absolutely some of the most fabulous work I've ever seen in my life. And I've seen a lot. What do you know, or what do you remember? What would you like to say in response to that? Oh, well, the, that, that's an interesting shirt because that was pre-computers. Back then, um, you weren't, people were not doing their own separations. And uh, 
I think the computer, uh, like Rick, everybody probably heard of Mirror Image and Rick Ross, and uh, he he and Colin was his separator. Then they were just now starting to push the computer edge. But we were doing all of the uh, manipulation of the films in the darkroom using uh, just a contact light. And, and Rick and his crew came down to my shop and they walked into my darkroom and they said, how do you do this? And I pointed to this little 12-watt uh, light that, that was hooked to, a, uh, hooked to a timer device and an intensity device. And they looked at it like I was crazy. And they didn't quite understand all that we did. But... Um, that's how we did it. It was all done in the dark room. It was all done in an analog fashion that we manipulated the films to print the way they should. And, uh, part of that success is due to the fact that, you know, I was very much aware of the Salvador Dali paintings, had, had viewed them all up close and personal. And the, uh, director of the museum, um, worked with me closely to make sure that, you know, we had access to them and made them look just like the paintings. And that's what we aimed to do. And that's what we accomplished. That's how we do it. Well, it's, it's amazing work. I wonder if there's some, uh, quality that's in there that's unachievable with a computer, kind of like an album. Oh, there is. There, there is. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely correct. Back then we would make our white printers by contacting all of the films. And, and getting the negative space. And so that's one thing that you cannot do on a computer. That leads me to the next thing about, um, you know, I've, I've worked with your separations. I've set up your work. Um, once again, being a lot of shops, your artwork is some of the most and uh, best engineered. To say engineered, I'll just leave that as um, lots of effort put into it, very many small details at making things work. When you get your separation completed, it, it runs well for a long period of time without uh, having uh, many problems. Yeah, well, one of the reasons for that is I'm a screen printer. So I, I'm an artist and I'm a screen printer. So, you know, I, I try to do the separation, as you well know, so that when it would come down to production, they would have no problems because the way I look at it, when you're running a press of uh, not a manual press, but let's say an automatic press, you've got at least four people tied up. And if you have to mess around with the separation to make it work, then you're wasting four people's time. Or if I can do it in the art department and take those bugs out of it, then I'm only wasting one person's time or spending more time with one person. So that was always my goal, to, to let the production people do production and let the art department figure all those engineering issues out so that they don't have any problems. So I, I think that probably part of that reason is that in this case, the guy that's separating it and the guy that's doing all that engineering is a screen printer. So I think that's why it worked out so well. And, and, and of course, we learn from our mistakes. So, you know, if I didn't do something right, I'm the one paying the salary since I'm the owner of the company. So I would, it was in my best interest to make it as easy on everybody as possible. Yeah, and also one of the other parts where the engineering really pays off is um, in your white printers. I'm seeing more and more today that people want such a quick turnaround, they'll throw flash gear units at a job rather than uh, make the ability for wet-on-wet -wet to work better. And part of the secret to that is in the uh, white printers. If you set up a job and when you're printing out your white printers, this is in Greg's shop at Serigraphia, um, if those white 
engineered white printers look really interesting and look good without any color on top, you're, you're on your way to a successful looking print. That's true. That's true. In other words, um, for your audience to know, um, what he's talking about is a white printer, it, we always use two whites, and there's different philosophies to this. And, and I always say, if it works for you, that's, that's fine, whatever you're using. But our philosophy was we always go flash white, and then we go white top coat, and we flash both of those, and then we print all our colors. I know a lot of printers will print their white, your top coat white last, and that's fine. I'm not saying mine's, mine's a better way, but that's just the way that we worked it out. There always works. But when you print the flash white and the white printer, it looks on a black shirt, it looks like a black and white uh, photograph of the shirt without color in it. And for that, that's what it should look like, I believe, if you've engineered it right, so, so that when you, when you print your colors, they'll come out balanced properly. Right. It's a, it's, it's a really good technique Greg has. Um, I haven't seen it in a lot of places. Um, it actually stems from having less uh, able equipment. And I know you have one more piece of equipment in, there, in your shop you didn't mention, and I think that's all in good working order. And uh, that's that precision oval. That's true. And with like an eight color oval, you didn't have room to put highlight whites at the end. That's true. That's true. His technology formed at, from a time where there was less capabilities, you know, no matter what you bought, they just weren't there. Greg, you have worked out a really great system, and I love your work. Oh, thank you. But uh, another thing you always may be interested in, when I started printing, we had lead-based ink. A lot of people think that's crazy. They go, well, that, I, what's so great about lead-based inks? But lead-based inks, you did not need to flash anything. The inks were opaque. If you could imagine printing any color you want on a dark shirt, and it comes out just as bright as you wanted it to, wet on wet, <laughs> then you put it in a dryer. Uh -huh. So that, that, that was kind of interesting. And, and there was no flashing in the beginning. And when we started adding flashes, no one ever thought we would add more than one, and now there's people printing with three and four flashes. Pretty interesting. I remember the spray adhesive. We used uh, the 3M there in your shop. The 75 was like plenty strong for most applications, almost maybe even all applications. And every once in a while, you need to pull out the 77 for like the real super heavy-duty uh, sweatshirts. Oh, yeah. And now 75 is worthless. It can't keep a piece of tissue paper in place. And... Uh, the 77 isn't really all that great for t uh, sweatshirts any longer. It's just, no, it's uh, not. It's kind of interesting. Partially is that Phil's the inks have changed, too. As, as, the, as the governments have regulated, they take more and more of the, uh, what they consider the dangerous elements out of our inks. The inks are performing less and less well for what we do. And, and now I think there is three systems out there that are in the plastisol uh, realm at the moment. There's a system, I don't know if you're familiar with it, but the ecosystem by uh, Rutland. It's not even a true plastisol, but it acts like a plastisol. Right, I'm real familiar with that one, okay. actually. Um, yeah. The phthalate thing with the plastisols was definitely a governmental issue, but the uh, push for non-PVC, I don't really know what's wrong with PVC, because I drink water out of it all the time. Right. But that was that's a Nike uh, thing. Nike wanted to push that envelope. 
Well, it's probably a marketing issue with the with the demand for more healthy things out there. You see people buying organic eggs and you know cage free chickens and non phthalate, non PVC printing. So it's just it's just all there hand in hand, right? But I think it's more of a marketing tool than it is a true safety issue or health issue for the customers. Yeah, I, I agree. I think so too. Most of the printers that are having to struggle to do um, prints for Nikes probably feel the same way. And because I, I think if you looked at screen printers as a statistical group, you would find out that they their health issues are no different than uh, anybody else's, and they they stick their hands in phthalate PVCs for years. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> I don't. I think that there are some people out there that are just. Uh, you know, a, a little bit over the top when it comes to this stuff. Do you ever use the uh, Precision Oval? How old's that thing? No, I, I don't. I don't use it anymore. It's it's a paperweight. <laughs> well, and, and 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 you know why? Because when you put pressure on one of the squeegees, it blows the pressure on the other. It's, it's just uh, it's really a dinosaur. It's very archaic. Yeah. You can print with it, as you well know. We we've done it. We print four color process with it. Yeah. But you know, once you've been to the mountain, you don't want to go back to the valley. At least I don't. Right. I, I'd rather keep using the more advanced things like the MHM and the Iron Man, where you have the individual squeegee control, and you know that one variable doesn't affect all the other squeegee pressures. Right. Definitely. I just I just think I guess I'm nostalgic. I was like in one of the other shows. I was talking about how I. I've got a 1966 Dodge pickup, and well, you could certainly print with it. You could <laughs> certainly do it. We did it, you know. As, as you well know, it still runs. It works fine, and it doesn't require any uh, compressor running, so it would be uh, energy friendly. It's got its own own power pack built in, hydraulics. Yeah, <laughs> but you're much more powerful than air. Yes, yes, you can't compress hydraulic fluid nearly at the rate. That's true. That's true. Well, I, I think there's going to be some new advancements in the whole system. I think the uh, if anybody's getting ready to invest in new equipment, they might want to hold off because my belief is that with the new LED UVs, we're going to see a, a whole range of inks come out that are all going to be UV cured, won't dry in the screen, will print great on T-shirts because the UV, the LED UVs have basically no heat. And it's going to be an amazing time in the future here. Well, well, also the direct-to-garment will take over more of the market, I believe, too. Right, right. Um, also, maybe maybe they'll be using UV inks as well. Um, they probably will. They probably as soon as, as soon as we develop that, but uh, I, I I really believe that's going to happen pretty quickly. Okay. I really appreciate Serigraphy uh, having been in my life. Uh, it's a great company. They do great work. Very high demanding. Sometimes very stressful. Like all screen printers, um, I'm glad that uh, you're out there, and then uh, thank you for uh, talking with me and the listeners of SqueegeeCast. Well, it's my pleasure. And if anybody wants to contact me or has a question, they can always reach me at my email address. Still has it. I think he'll put it on the podcast. And uh, I might, I'm, I can always, I might be able to help you out with my uh, vast amount of experience. Okay, so we'll put. Uh, Information on the bottom of the show notes. People will be able to contact you. Okay. Sounds great. If anyone's ever in the Destin area and on vacation or wants to come by and see our shop, give me a call. They're welcome to come by. Okay? Okay. That sounds great. So You have, you have a great day, too. All right. Bye-bye.